on. Oh, there we go. There we go. Haven't, um, haven't seen a lot of you guys in the new year, so happy new year. I want to start with a question. When was it in your life that you changed the most? So it's not a rhetorical question. I want you to think about it. What period of time was it that you just felt like, yo, at the end of that time, I changed the most? So just think about the people. Think about the place. What was it about that period of life that made you change so much? Think of, um, obviously, family time. I mean, that's transformative. That, that, that was a big part of my life. I think about rugby, rugby teams, rugby camps. I remember the season we went unbeaten um, where Gorbani Bobo was the first team guy and I was the second team guy and I, and I just followed him around. I just watched what he did. He became a Springbok. I didn't, but still, <laughs> still, I learned a lot from that season of life. I think of doing articles as a CA and just long hours in the trenches. There's certain albums that when that song plays, I know where I'm at, I'm the pep audit, no one else is around, it's just long hours of being shaped by articles. I think of my years as a lecturer where I would have a group of people that wanted to become CAs or get their MBA, and I'd often think, how can I change them? How can I be part of changing them for the good? I mean, they've signed up, they've paid a lot of money to do this, but some people never change and others do. And what are the secret ingredients that go into change? Because I've experienced change, and I've, I've experienced non-change. I, I know I should be doing certain things, and I just don't do them. And so what is it about thoughts, desires, actions, and a culture you're a part of that can lead to change or, or not? And so I want you to think in your life about the times you changed, and I, I want to invite you into an, another time to change, which is in your relationship with God, to, to take it as a posture that every day presents an opportunity to be transformed, to be changed. That right here as we sit as a group of people, there's our being, like who we are, and then there's a doing, you know, what we do. And then there's this incredible process that is the two combined, where in our being, we do some stuff, and then as we do some stuff, we change our being, and then because we're a new being, we'll do some different things, and then we'll change who we are. And, and, and this process of being and doing is, is this process of becoming. And every day we've got an opportunity to become more like God had in mind when he created us or less like what God had in mind. Every day, every, every moment, every decision is one in which we can become a different kind of person. And I want you to know that Jesus is interested in this process. He changed the world and how he changed it was he took a few people and he changed who they were. They became his disciples. Uh, reading from Mark chapter 1, verse 17, this is what Jesus said to those early disciples. He said, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Last week, we looked at that word, follow me, which on the next diagram kind of captures this whole bucket of presence, proximity to God. If you follow Jesus, you, you're spending time with Jesus, you, you're becoming like him. Next week, I'm going to get to talk about mission, which is our doing, our being and our doing. And then in between, sandwiched is this week, which is, which is the sort of process one. The one of like, well, how does my being and my doing come into a process that ultimately is who I am as a person? Jesus said, follow me and I will make you become. So he's interested in who you become, and that's what we're up to today. Shall I use the handheld? Is this... I'm just... I'm just Rather go, rather go the handheld route.
And I want to invite you into the real excitement, which is besides just the process, we've all experienced change, but this is change that's going to be eternal, and this is change that doesn't just affect you. It can affect the ends of the earth. Dallas Willard had the following thing to say. He said, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. Everything else gets left behind, but who you become and the relationships that you form in this life, you take into eternity. Speaking to the men today, um, you will not become the man God wants you to be by accident. You won't reach your full redemptive potential by living passively. You, you don't live in a neutral world. You live in a contested space. You are being formed. It's just a question of whether you're being formed intentionally or unintentionally. And are you aware of all the different forces that are at play in this process of becoming? So I've got a huge um, credit to, to John Tyson, who's formed my thinking on this for many years. I've been fascinated by this whole thing of what does it really mean to apprentice to Jesus? What does it mean to think, love, and act like Jesus? And this process of becoming can be broken down into four steps. If we want to think, love, and act like Jesus, we've got to be aware of this process. So let's dive in and let's examine the four kind of processes. The first one is formation, is formation. We believe when we open early pages of the scripture that God created you and I, male and female, in his image. He breathed life into us. He created us in his image. And so here's, here's good news. God has overflowed in love to send you as a representative, as an image bearer into this world. And so when you wander around going, things are not as they should be. I feel like there's more to life. I, I'm not quite clicking this. Why you, why you feel like that is because you have eternity in your heart. You are an image bearer. You are made in the image of God. Now, as Cape Tonians, that can be quite, quite exciting because it chimes with a lot of what we think of, you know, we, we've got stars in our bodies. You know, we are the universe. We're like, we're God-like. And so we can, we can misunderstand this. So we've got we to work on this. But, but here's the good news. You've been formed by God out of love in his image. Something's gone wrong, but this, this formation is deeply in us and something that we need to be aware of. Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, would often be working with different people, and he'd be, he'd be contending for them. He'd be going to prison. He'd be getting beaten. He'd be going through all kinds of chaos in life, and his big goal was this. This is he want, what he wanted for people. Uh, one of the examples was him writing to the Galatians. He said this, my dear children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, which let me tell you is a dangerous thing for any man to say, just as a warning. Any man that says, look, I'm like pretty much going through birth here. That's how hectic this is. I, you are putting, you're taking your life into your hands if you use this analogy. But he's going for it because he's going, this is what I'm doing. I'm really putting everything into it. I'm single-minded. You're not thinking about anything else when you're giving birth to a child. This is what I've heard. You are single-minded. Single and what is he single-minded about? Until Christ is formed in you. You see, you're made in the image of God, but we've lost our way. But formation, wanting to be back in relationship with God, back in right relationship with ourselves, with others, is what Paul longs for. He's not into quick fix, try this, try that, you know, kind of get the right personality to get the right outcomes. He's saying, I want something deep to be formed in you, and it is Christ-likeness. Now, maybe that leaves you a little cold. It's like, okay, does that mean we take all the brilliant diversity and life experience here and we squeeze it into one little 
little funnel called Christ. And then what, what do we look like on the other side? Little plain vanilla Ned Flanders from the Simpson kind of characters, you know, that, that leave you a little underwhelmed. No, no, no. What, what God has done in all his diversity is he has created us all in his image. And what happens on the other side of Christ-likeness isn't uniformity. What happens on the other side is freedom and true individuality that's been correctly appreciated and enjoyed and delighted in and then fully expressed. So the obvious question at this point is, well, formation, why, why aren't we all just formed in the way that God created us to be? And why, 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 are we, why are we not experiencing that in our own lives, in our relationships with each other and in our relation with God? Well, it's because of the second, second part of the journey, which is the truth that although we're formed in God's image, all of us have been deformed. De- deformation is a part of all of our stories. The same Paul who longs for Christ-likeness in our lives, for us to come into freedom, wrote this to a group of people in Ephesus. He said, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. He's breaking that down. He's saying people just can't see what's going on. Through ignorance, their hearts have become hardened to God and to life that is truly life. And as these hard hearts become more and more callous, you almost need to try more and more things to get some kind of uh, reaction out of life. And, and that hardness takes over as you, as you live, not in a, in a life that brings freedom, but in a life that entraps you. I've always um, been reminded of quite a vivid image of how uh, people in the Arctic catch wolves. Apologies to the sensitive viewer. But what they do is essentially they take uh, snow and they level it out and they put sharp razor blades in the snow and they freeze it in position. They then cover a light sprinkling of snow and then they drop blood on that patch and then they wander off. And essentially what happens is some of the predators' wolves who have valuable skins smell the blood get on the scene and start licking it up because there it is available on the snow. And the more they lick, the more they take the snow away until they hit the razor blades. And here's the tragedy. They don't stop. They keep going, but now the blood they're licking isn't the one that was put down initially. It's their own. And they die bleeding out in the Arctic tundra and the, and the, and the poachers or the hunters can come back and get their valuable skins and stay warm for the winter. And this is the way they do it. I'm like, clever idea. Until you suddenly read a passage like this and you suddenly think to yourself, isn't it true of life? That the thing that you think is so good for you that you think, oh my gosh, I'm never, ta- this is amazing. Like a wolf licking that ice, you suddenly realize is the thing which has trapped you and deformed you. The African analogy would be that little pot thing where the monkey sticks its hand in and then ca- gathers the nuts or something and all the monkeys eat and then and then in, in a way, they could be free if they just dropped the nuts, but there's no way they're dropping the nuts, you know, and they're holding it, and they're holding it in there, and then the, the hunter can come along and be like, thank you, monkey, you're mine. I look at these animals, and I start to see myself. The process of deformation is real, and yet we don't think of it as the problem. We think of it as just, just, just I'm almost there, I'm almost there, I'm, 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 I'm. It causes alienation with God, alienation with ourselves and with others. But, but, here's the good news, but that is not the way 
you learned Christ. This is Paul continuing to speak to them. This ignorance, this hard heart, this callousness, that's not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to be put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's good news for people that want to apprentice to Jesus, that want to be changed by Jesus, people who want to follow Jesus. He's keen to teach you. He's, he's keen to transform your ignorance into wisdom, into knowledge. And it's a process of taking off your old self, the thoughts, the actions, the desires, and putting on a new self, created after the likeness of God, restoring what has been lost in this process of, of becoming deformed. There's a true righteousness, a relationship with God, ourselves and others that's on display, and a holiness that, that leads us away from licking razor blades, thinking we're experiencing freedom, and towards walking with the Lord and the way of Jesus. So there's a little bit of a list that's going to pop up now because I think it is so important for us to recognize that every single one of us, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And all of us have experienced different ways in which we've been deformed. The image of God has been lost. There are wounds which have happened to us, experiences of people that have wounded us, circumstances, just really unlucky events. I think of lies that have been told to us, but then probably more dangerous lies that we ourselves have believed. I think of myself as a bit of a, accomplishment addict in life, the lie that, you know, if it's, if it's meant to be, it's up to me, kind of independence run rampant, like don't trust anyone. That's a lie that's going to rob you of the fullness of God that can be believed. Idols are not little statues you keep on your, your mantelpiece. These are good things that can become God things, substitutes for what only God can provide. Uh, speaking for myself, my short share portfolio can cause excessive emotional responses in my heart, especially recently. I think of addiction as being something that's rampant, uh, whether it's the ping on our screens or, or you know, a, a drug that will have us on the streets here in Seapoint. I think of often the people I chat to, at the root of it is this addiction, this substance that took over life completely. I think of excess. Um, as Capetonians in our city, we, we, we pursue pleasure, comfort, comfort in the good life, work hard, play hard. Well, that lived out to extreme can deform our lives, because it's not meant to just be about us. We're blessed to be a blessing. Uh, there's been a lot written about systematic injustices, which we as a nation obviously are well aware of. The fact that there just are, over time, a development of systems that will prejudice and, and cause great harm to some people. Ultimately, we acknowledge that there is an enemy, that Satan has a vision for your life. Uh, again, speaking to the men, uh, Satan wants you to be a selfish man who fix, who's fixated on entitlement, victimhood. If something's happened to you, selfishness, success, pleasure, power, just go for those things and you'll be deformed. I think of all of our tendencies, our self, to, to listen to talks like this and to put it through the lens of how does this help me? What's in it for me? Project self. As I said earlier, God helps those that help themselves and I'm going to make sure I help myself. So the big problem with that is we all have blind spots, and we all know, in theory, we're not the finished work. Quite simply, think of yourself 10 years ago. Think about yourself 10 years ago. Are you, are you super impressed with some of the things you used to do and believe, or are you kind of a bit like, oh, embarrassing. That phase was a bit embarrassing. 
Well, guess what? In 10 years' time, you're going to be embarrassed about something right now. What is it? Well, you need community. You need people around you to help you. And ultimately, the biggest problem with the self here is that we can actually start to believe a false self that we are, which, we, which will lead us astray. Finally, sin is what will deform us as we disobedient to God. And I think of that lie that the rules don't apply to me. They might apply to other people, but me and God, we've got a special arrangement, a couple of carve-out criteria here. It's not a long list, and it's not particularly, I mean, it is a long list, but it's not particularly encouraging if you read that thing. And man, is there hope? Is there a possibility for us to change the trajectory of our lives? As apprentices to Jesus, he promises, follow me, and I will help you become, not this list, but something else. And that's this beautiful process of counter-formation, of Christ not just dying on the cross, but Christ being resurrected and pouring out his spirit and being able to tell his apprentices, I am going to be with the Father, but I'm going to pour out the spirit on you. And you're going to fundamentally be changed from the inside out, this counter-formation that's going to allow you to think, love, and be like Jesus, to become who you were always intended to be. So there's great things like making your bed first thing in the morning. Nothing wrong with that, you know. There's brilliant things, but that fundamentally isn't what I'm talking about. It's not an outside-in process. It's a, it's a spiritual coming alive. Dead people coming alive. And then you might make your bed first thing in the morning. Great, well done. But the bottom line is, this isn't some habification to get you to change. It's, it's change that leads to habits being changed. Counter formation. Let's read from Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Here is the possibility of change, of counter-formation. Here is good news of great joy for all people. God loves you. Jesus Christ came to rescue you, and he invites you to change. He invites you to follow him and to become like him. Not change in order to be loved, but because you're loved, you are going to change. As John Tyson says, it's out of the way of the world, which is about earn, your, earn the right to be loved, earn an identity, and in to the way of Jesus, which is receiving his love and sharing it with others. And so putting back our table of counter-formation, let's run through it. Instead of wounds, we have healing. As CJ shared just before, um, well, at the end of our time of singing, Jesus is the wounded healer. He's the one that comes and doesn't deal with superficial symptoms. He gets right down to the proper diagnosis of what is going on. Incredible healing physically, but also I think of the second point around lies that need to be uprooted and, and replaced with truth. That, that Jesus comes along and helps us see reality. The map in our minds corresponds to the reality of what's happening on the ground. One of the great tragedy of lies is nothing makes sense because what we have as a map in our minds doesn't correspond with reality. That gets replaced as truth floods into our minds and renews our lives. Instead of idolatry, running after fake God substitutes that are good things but not God things, we get to worship the true God. This is our true act of spiritual worship. Instead of addiction, we can walk into freedom. And I want to point out, this isn't just a case about chains coming off, as good as that is. 
That's just part of the process. What then happens is we get a new curriculum for life, for purpose, for doing what we were always meant to do. An empty sack just drops, right? So, so getting rid of a bunch of stuff is part of the process, but putting in the right stuff is even more exciting as we get to walk out in freedom. Instead of excess, we have self-control and all the fruits of the Spirit, which we'll look at shortly. As a systematic approach to life, we say, seek first the kingdom. That's what Jesus taught us to pray, seek first the kingdom. So that's our, our, our situation. Whatever we're a part of, whatever systems we're a part of, we don't go, oh, the system sucks. We go, okay, what, is, what would the kingdom look like in the system? And instead of Satan's vision for our lives, we get to look at Jesus' vision. He wants you to be godly, passionate, life-giving. And instead of the self, we, we get appropriate levels of self-awareness so that we can serve others. You're not told to just ignore yourself. You're told to take a sober look at yourself, sober judgment, and say, well, this is how God's way, way, uh, made me. This is the way he's shaped me, and this is my contribution that I can make. There are people in this community that can make contributions. I can't, and it's so beautiful to see the diversity of what we have being expressed. Instead of the false self, which isn't looking at sober judgment, we can, we can start to live out our true self. And in preparing this, I really did feel this, that we're going to have a time of response and a time of singing and asking Christ to be magnified in our life. And the kind of phrase that came to mind was, God can't change your false self. If you find yourself in God's presence going, oh, God, you're good. God, you're wonderful. I'm okay. We're cool. Nothing's going to happen because that isn't really you. That's the, whatever that is, it's like a religious ceremony, some kind of activity. But God can, here's the good news, change your true self where you can come to him and say, I this is honestly how I feel. This is where I've made mistakes. I don't know. I feel so wounded, so damaged, lies I believe. This is, you know, you're more on the left-hand side column. Bring that. Bring that and say, God, change that. I, that's where I'm at. God can't change a false self, but he can change our true selves. And instead of sin, we get to walk in righteousness, loving God and loving people. And so part of counterformation, taking our eyes of ourselves, is actually loving God and loving others. And one of the things I want to just make you aware, I know there's some people that are new here, but last year we, we did a series about salt and light and becoming the people of God and how he's gifted each and every one of us to, to serve. And on our website, if you go on to it, you'll see at the top there, if you click on resources, we've actually got a spiritual gifts uh, test. How cool is our suburb as well, hey? I mean, there it is from the drone. But we've got at the top there resources, spiritual gifts test, and you click on that, Having taken the test, you'll see that we've got a whole bunch of additional resources are going deeper. And now this isn't project self, like, woo what Enneagram number am I? Woo-hoo, then you just go off on that little straight. You do all that stuff so that you can serve. It's brilliant to do it, but it's there so that you can then flow out towards others. And you'll see a whole bunch of things here. Are you a gift of administration, leadership, whatever it is, we've got a bunch of ways in which you can go further with God. Counterformation, not just getting rid of sin, but embracing a life that God has for us, understanding the gifting and the wiring. I'm going to keep reading on this point of counterformation. Verse 19 of Galatians, he's right. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident. This is all the stuff that's going to deform us, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that these things, people who do these things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is not the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of darkness. That is licking razor blades and feeling like you're just so close to freedom. But, but, here's the awesome news. 
the fruit of the Spirit, the kingdom. This is what the kingdom looks and tastes like. And honestly, this is a big prayer. It's just change my appetite because this other stuff, the reason we do it is because we think it's wonderful. We read that list and you're like, sounds like they're having a good time. You know, as long as they come to know Jesus. I remember they asked the South African cricketer at the time, um, the one South African was a Christian, and it was Gary Kirsten told the story. And Gary Kirsten was speaking to his teammates, and guys, like, I've changed my life. Like, this is so good. And his teammates said, hey, Gary, look, we're playing for the national team. We're just going to have an amazing time. But before we die, we'll become Christians. Don't worry. Like, that was, that was the approach, because that's like the understanding. It's like, no, we don't want to become, like, boring. We want to live life. And then, we'll, don't worry, we'll come in in time. Just give us enough time. The hardness of heart that develops over time. The, the, the myth is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still be sensitive to God at the end of this process. You won't be. You'll be so hardened and so far away. You won't know which side's up and which side's down. And the incredible thing is God steps in and he breaks in and, and his spirit is at work in you. And this is what he provides. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So we as a community want to take seriously this call of apprenticeship, of following Jesus. We've, we've got all kinds of tools we can help you with, but it starts with a deep desire to be with Jesus and to become like Jesus, to put down your roots so that the fruit, as described here, can, can take, take root. It does require deliberate effort in response to the good news of what God has done. Practices like silence and solitude, scripture reading, Sabbath, fasting, living in community, there's lots. We want to be consistent. We want to do it when no one's watching, and we want to do it together as a community. And then that'll lead to what I think we all long for, which is transformation. Transformation. 2 Corinthians 3 says this, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for well, this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We go from one sin after another to one glory after another. The, the veil that used to separate us from God has been removed. That hardness of heart that used to separate from God has been removed. That false self that we used to pretend to have to put on has been removed. And we're able to be transformed in our thinking. The major kind of... Um, before we get to a time of response, thing that I thought at the start of the year that, that as apprentices we maybe need to deal with is just how to deal with our sin. Because as you've been listening to this, you've gone, Paul, I've identified a whole bunch of stuff. And actually, if I'm honest, right away, there's some things in my life that I, I know I'm not apprenticed to Jesus and I'm not following him in this. And that's, that's damaging me. That's deforming me. I've got four, four things that I want to quickly just pop up. The first is just there's blatant sin and willful disobedience. In many ways, this is the easiest one. You kind of sit here and you go, okay, I read scripture and I know my life doesn't align with that. I'm talking here to Christ followers, people that want to be Christ followers. These two things, blatant sin is like, the Bible says this, I don't think it applies to me. It does, it does. One of the biggest changes that can happen is to, to, to repent and to say, Christ, right now I'm, I'm going to step away from blatant sin. I want to be formed in your image. Willful disobedience is a little bit more like, you know God's spoken to you. People have said, hey, there's something of a gifting in you. You should be doing this. And your part of you is like, I just, I just I don't want to. I'm too busy building project self. I'll get to that later. Think of that lie that get yourself sorted first and then help others. You know, put the oxygen mask on first. Then you can help the other passengers on the airline. We all got our oxygen mask on. It's like, okay, well, I'm sorted. <laughs> we forgot to do the second part of helping others. Willful disobedience. And then three and four, just to make you aware that as you walk with God, why in many ways you need to go deeper and the transformation 
that accompanies it is sometimes harder is that you then deal with unconscious sins and omissions and deep-seated structures of being and doing. Real complex people made in the image of God and, and over time, a lot has shaped us. And I'm, I'm just gonna put up the menu here. There's thoughts, there's desires, there's actions, but there's also a culture that we can start to shape, that will change our thinking, being renewed in our mind, that'll change our hearts, that'll change our action, but here's the encouraging thing. As we get to know the patterns we follow, the things that have affected us, the consequences they lead to, this awareness breaks us out of the naive assumption that we've got nothing to work on, that we're fine. It breaks us out of that and makes us go, man, I, I, I long to be transformed into the image of God. And we can do this together as a church. How's this for a cool verse? Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord in one, voice, one mind. Sorry. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Why church? Why gather with brothers and sisters once a week on a Sunday and during the week? Why do it? Well, it's because you're not looking out for your own interests, you're looking out for the interests of others. And those blind spots and those things that we can't see in ourselves, those deep-seated ways of being and doing, can have truth spoken into them and and through love be transformed. Lee's gonna speak in, in two weeks' time on, on the power of community, and I really want us to get this, because you can hear it talk like this and go, great, I got my list, I'm gonna go do this, but you're gonna miss it if you don't see the need for people. Great, we're gonna call the band up now, and we're gonna time of response. So the message has ended, this is now a time where I'm, I'm hopefully trying to stir us as a group of people to come and bring our true selves to Jesus. We've got a song that's gonna facilitate that, but I can't do it for you. Person on your left or right can't do it for you. It's up to each of, your, of us to bring our true selves to Jesus. And the incredible good news, as Paul said, <laughs> I'm in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, that, that it's possible that Christ can be formed in you, that he longs to, to reclaim his, his kingly rights over your life and to shape you a new. And you might say, why, why Jesus? Well, the good news is Jesus didn't just come to take away your sin. He's done that. But he's also come to prepare himself a bride. He's come to prepare a, a people that'll spend eternity with him. And the relationship he describes it as, as a married, married couple. Why Jesus? Well, Jesus is the only one who's worthy of imitation and devotion. He's the greatest man that's ever lived. No one in all of history has integrated strength and tenderness, courage and compassion, anger and love like Jesus. No one has shown power and restraint, love for the individual critique of the system. He's created space for us to be changed in his midst. Jesus longs to lead you out of the shadows of your shameful and sinful false self and invite you into a journey of being renewed in his image, to learn to see what God has for you and pay attention to how he's shaping you to surrender to the Spirit, 